0: Hi, I'm Shona, and this is my podcast. I'm a mum, a pre and postnatal trainer, CrossFit coach, yoga teacher, and I don't take myself or life too seriously. Enjoy my podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Shona Strong Podcast I hope you are doing well. So I am so excited to record this because I've just had such an interesting conversation with one of my one-to-one clients and I think that you guys all need to hear what we've been talking about. And I think this has actually been something that I've been discussing with a lot of clients recently. I think because, you know, the people that I work with are generally the same age as me. I generally work with Women in their 30s. And I think we're all going through this period of growth. There's a lot of people in my life as well that are going through this period of growth. We're all in our growth era. And it can be a difficult time when you have to look inward and look at the things that you want to improve and the things that you want to leave behind. That can be a really difficult process. But it also is such a rewarding process and that's where we grow and that's where we get better. So um, to give you a little bit of context, this person is the same age as me. She's 34. She also has a small child about the same age as mine. And she has been someone who has felt like their entire life has been on a diet. And I think if you're listening to this, then maybe you feel the same way too, it's always been something that has been you know a, an overall theme of being a woman being a young girl um being smaller has been celebrated um not gaining weight has been celebrated there's always been like a real conscious effort not to gain weight maybe the women in your life like older sisters mother grandparent um they've always been on diets and so it maybe takes coming to this age and you've got a child and you're thinking, I want to I make changes now. I, I want to stop this cycle of passing on this poor relationship with food and body. So we had this really interesting conversation on the phone the other day and she told me that she was eating a protein bar. She wasn't hugely hungry, but just wanted to take the edge off her hunger so she ate half of the protein bar and then put it away and then thought well there's no point in having only 10 grams of protein I might as well eat the whole thing even though I'm not hungry and that was that was really interesting and she said that one of the rules that she always follows is that she must always have a protein serving she must always prior prioritize protein now if you follow my content and whenever I really talk about, you know, fat loss or having a healthy diet or, you know, not tracking calories but having certain structure in place, then I'll, I, I, yes, I will always talk about prioritising protein and also prioritising six portions of fruit and veg and quite often I talk about having uh, quote-unquote rules that you follow in your diet that will help you either achieve fat loss or maintenance and improve your relationship with food. The problem lies when these rules are rules that you cannot break and that's the case with this client. She's got these rules that she follows with her diet and that she really struggles with breaking them. And I think maybe the issue is that we're calling them rules. Maybe we should say these are habits that we turn to when we want to achieve a certain goal with our diet. Um, But they're not rules that we have to hard and fast live by. So my challenge for her was to write down a list of rules, the list of rules that she follows with her diet and she's such an amazing client. She's, a, she's definitely that sort of personality that really wants to put the work in. So, of course, within a day or two, she's written down this list of rules. I thought it would be really helpful and interesting for me to talk through this list. And I've obviously asked her permission. And um, we can unpack each of these rules. So the first three in the list don't actually look too sinister. There's some There's some in there that, that are really maybe quite problematic, but the first three don't necessarily look too sinister and they are 16 to 1800 calories per day, 20 grams of protein each meal or each time she eats, and three meals a day plus one to two snacks. Now, what are probably the positives behind these is that it definitely sets a good structure for her diet. It's a healthy habit to prioritize protein with every meal and having three meals plus one to two snacks, again, um, again, provides some structure and it stops um, having a limit on the amount of snacks that you have in a day can particularly help if fat loss is your goal. Where I think it's possibly um, an issue is that it is not a bad thing to break any of these rules. And one of the the big things that we discussed is that sometimes you might want to have a meal that doesn't really have a lot of protein in it. And I can think of so many delicious meals that one might enjoy that aren't particularly high in protein, like a lot of vegan food. If you go to a vegan restaurant, maybe it's not going to have a lot of protein in it. Or if you've got, you know, sometimes you really fancy something like macaroni cheese and maybe you're like me and you have tried making a high-protein low-calorie macaroni cheese it just doesn't hit the same and i wonder if you are limiting if you're following the rule that protein must be a feature and must be a big presence in the meal that you're eating you're limiting yourself and and missing out on some really delicious food now would i recommend that you always have meals that aren't high in protein no I wouldn't but what I would say is that it's totally okay to have a non-high protein meal again with the calories 16 to 1800 calories that is because her goal currently is fat loss but what it might be a good idea to is not focus on the amount of calories that you're eating in a day I think that For some people, if you're always thinking about the amount of calories there are in a food, then it again stops you from having real food freedom and what you're prioritising is fat loss rather than nourishing your body. Again, there's a lot of nuance here and that calories are important, like if we just Don't think about the amount of calories that are in food, then it could potentially cause you to gain weight. And I even noticed that recently, I went out to dinner at this Harvester restaurant, which actually is really, really good place to take children. It's not somewhere I would have ever gone to before Cormac was born. And I'm not gonna lie, Paul was laughing at me because I was like, I can't believe we're here. But yeah, we were at this Harvester restaurant that is just around the corner from our house. Um, it's great because they provide crayons and stuff for your kid and there's like all these different children's menus. Um, But anyway, every single item on the menu has the calories listed. and There wasn't really anything on the menu that was lower calorie. Literally everything was 600 plus. And it really was quite eye-opening in that I noticed myself, I was like, wow, I, I just don't even know what I'm going to choose here. And at one point I was perhaps overthinking it. And I was like, maybe I should just have like a side. And I was like, no, that isn't necessarily my goal. My goal, yes, I've got a holiday coming up is fat loss. But also I want to enjoy a meal with my partner and my baby. So having just a, a side, like a portion of vegetables isn't necessarily a healthy mindset for me so I just chose something that I enjoyed and realized that I didn't necessarily have to finish the whole plate full of food and funnily enough it was a giant portion that came out. Okay so let's go back to her rules. Don't get hungry or you'll overeat. This is such a big learning opportunity for this person and for anyone who identifies with this. I know a lot of people and including myself, sometimes feel uncomfortable with the feeling of hunger. Um, It kind of scares us, there's maybe a bit of unknowns attached to it. And I think it's because you feel like you lose control when you're hungry and that you have to act upon the feeling of hunger. I think that hunger can actually be a quite important thing to feel if you are someone that is maybe trying to achieve fat loss or if you're someone who wants to enjoy their food. I find that I enjoy my dinner so much more if I'm feeling a little bit hungry before I have it. But interestingly, um, I remember Paul telling me a story about his gran would always give him and his brother a sandwich to eat before they went out for dinner <laughs> because, in their logic, it took the edge off the hunger and probably saved probably saved the grandparents a bit of money because the kids weren't eating loads of food when they were out. But also, they probably didn't overeat. Like, they weren't ravenously hungry. So, I mean, it, it kind of is something that you would need to unpack in yourself... If you um, think that when you get hungry that you do overeat, and and yes, I've actually just had a conversation with someone this morning, another one-to-one client, who was considering intermittent fasting. Now, intermittent fasting is when you set parameters around the hours that you eat and the hours that you don't eat, and literally all it does is help you create a calorie deficit, i.e. if you stop eating at 8 p.m you're not going to snack later or if you start eating at 11 a.m or at at lunchtime then obviously you're missing out breakfast so you're reducing calories that way so I had the conversation with her in that there's definitely a fine line to be tread if you're someone that does overeat when they're hungry then intermittent fasting might not be for you however if you're someone who is able to handle the hunger and then is able to enjoy food when it does come then it might be the answer for you so I think that that is an interesting one and the person who set this rule she might need to sit and have a think about that one okay so the next one is quite interesting and I might let her have it it's don't shop when hungry I mean it depends um where you go if you're like so so when I go shopping um quite often I take Cormac with me to the shop because he really enjoys um he just enjoys getting out about and seeing people and he quite likes sitting in the trolley as well. I will always give him a snack (laughs) because he will get quite animated if I put something that he knows is his food in the trolley and he's not got something to eat. (laughs) I mean I learned the hard way I put a tray of those pitiful yogurts in the trolley and he was like "Ah, ah, ah," because that's his food and he wanted one now but how am I supposed to give him a pot of yogurt while we're walking around the shop so always make sure that he's got something to munch on so whether that's like an apple or a piece of fruit or like one of those little pouches um in fact the lady in the little said to me that she's I think she saw me so many times give Cormac a croissant like you know when you walk into Lidl there's the baked bit straight away so I would give him a croissant or a pretzel and he would just munch away in that and it kept him occupied Um, and obviously I would pay for it at the end uh, but she did say to me she was like by the way Always feel free to do that and you can just pay for it at the end. I was like, yeah, well, that's what I was doing, but thanks for the permission. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, again, I think that shopping when you're hungry is going to be hard. Um, If you wrote a shopping list, though, like you'd probably just stick to it, wouldn't you? So, yeah, that one's up for debate. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. And this is a really good one to debunk. Full fat things are better than fat free, but I Still, just buy the fat-free options for milk, yoghurt, so that's a contradiction. Interesting, because I actually buy the barista Oatly Barista edition, because it's so creamy. I'm sure it's probably higher in calories, and I made the decision a while ago to uh, not ever eat 0% percent fat because it is the most joyless thing, eating fat-free yoghurt. <laughs> I will... I, that was a hill I'm prepared to die on that a 5% or 10% fat yogurt is so much more delicious than a fat-free yogurt. Okay, but full fat things better than fat-free. I think this is a hangover from when when I first became a PT. Uh, when would that be? Probably about 10 years ago. So like the mid-2010s. Um. There was this whole, like, paleo diet was becoming really popular, people cutting out gluten and wheat was also becoming really popular, and uh, I actually, I'm going to put my hands up and and say that I did share that meme, you know, the one that was, fat-free? Don't you mean chemical shitstorm? One idiot. I think this is going to be a really important rule for her to break and hard to unpack because what what's happening here is that we're assigning a morality to different foods and assigning a hierarchy to foods if we think that foods are good and bad then of course we're going to think that we are good or bad for eating those certain foods there are foods that are more nutrient dense there are foods that are more calorie dense there are foods that are lower in nutrients and lower in calories but they all have a place in a healthy diet things that are fat-free I think absolutely have a place in a diet especially if you were shooting for food volume i.e. want to keep yourself full um, without having to always have as many calories fat-free things are there and they absolutely have their place I think where, um, where people are maybe a bit confused is that because they're lower in fat, they might have things that are less quote unquote natural in them. And the natural fallacy is something that we, we all fall for as well is that we think that things that aren't natural, aren't made by nature, aren't going to be good for us when that is not true. There's lots of things in our life that are man made and that are genetically modified and that are made with chemicals that are really important for us to live and function in our day-to-day life. So it will be really helpful for her to get rid of that rule and not assign a moral judgment to certain foods. So here's the next one and it is sugar is addictive. Now this one is really interesting because I sent her a message and I said do you really think that sugar is addictive because it is not addictive like you cannot actually be addicted to it in the same way that you could be addicted to drugs or alcohol or any other substance like that but she doesn't actually think that it's addictive but she almost thinks that she is addicted to it and that she avoids it and then if she ever does have sugar then it almost gives her permission to overeat it because she's like oh well that's me I'm, I'm addicted to it I might as well overeat um, and she couldn't possibly help herself or stop. Now I think that this is a really important realisation for her that sugar is not addictive and that she is not addicted to it um, and that As a coach I would never ever tell anyone to avoid food or a certain food and quite often you'll hear that if someone's dieting then their coach tells them oh just don't have it in the house and that's going to be impossible if you are a parent because like your child likes eating sugar and likes eating things that have sugar in them. So, it was going to be impossible to not have them in the house. Whereas, what is so much more impactful for your life is learning how to have space for these things in your diet and not overeat them. Because, in reality, sugar is addictive. Sorry. In reality, sugar is not addictive. It is just very, very Moorish. And if you have something like, you know, if something like a really, like a sugary sweet, like a Haribo, it's quite difficult to, like these things come in big bags, it's quite difficult to just have a couple and then put the bag away. But being able to do that and, and being able to give yourself permission to have a couple of those things, was um, really going to help. And I think the, the mindset shift between, allowing yourself versus saying this is something that I'm not allowed because when I do have it it does cause me to overeat like that shift in mindset and allowing yourself to have it and and saying I'm not actually addicted to this I can have a few I can put the bag away and I can not feel guilty about it that is so important okay next rule on the list don't drink your calories i.e opt for calorie-free drinks slash black coffees and again this is kind of like um if we're talking about dieting this is kind of a bit of a no-brainer rule and um it might be that if someone was gaining weight and they didn't know why and they didn't really have much awareness of what was in their diet then this would be kind of a bit of a low-hanging fruit um, so what you might suggest is if someone drinks like full fat Diet Coke, I don't know why you call it full fat because i not actually got any fat in it, but you know, like a, a regular Coca-Cola, um, then making a simple swap to a Diet Coke is going to be a really low-hanging fruit and an easy way to get yourself into a calorie deficit. And same with um, things like really milky coffees with loads of sugary syrups and. Um, some people might not be aware that that's adding on a whole bunch of calories or they might not be aware just quite how many calories are in a, a really frothy milky creamy marshmallowy oh i'm getting really kind of really fancy one of them now <laughs> um yeah they just might not know quite how many calories are in there but setting yourself the rule of, never allowing yourself to have something like that and never allowing yourself to have anything other than a black coffee is kind of sad and kind of miserable because if I think like there is for me I find so much joy in a oat milk latte and that did take me a little bit of time to push through because I've definitely been where this person is and and only drank black coffee and then thought oh, well if I'm gonna have something I might just add a little bit of milk to it or then I might just have a cappuccino and a latte feels like you know so indulgent but being aware of it and in, in the context of your diet as a whole it's not something that I would have every single day or multiple times a day it's maybe something that I would have as an enjoyable treat when I fancied it maybe once or twice a week or something like that so I think this can be an important one for her to break and to enjoy something like this and when you give yourself permission if you think do you know what today I'm gonna have a hot chocolate I'm gonna have it with marshmallows and I'm gonna really sit down and enjoy it and that's where you find the improvements in your relationship with food because it's a choice, and remembering that everything in your diet is a choice and not something that you're feeling obligated to do or not do. Okay, next rule: Foods are good or bad, clean foods and non-clean foods. And I think we've we've addressed this one um, with the full fat versus fat-free. Okay, so the last one is never skip a meal. And again, I think this might be related to um, not allowing yourself to feel hungry. And I generally wouldn't recommend people miss meals or skip meals. Um, I, again, I think it depends on the intent. Now, if your intent is I'm skipping a meal to atone for the fact that I overate the night before, like I went out for dinner and I had a really big dinner and dessert and wine and prosecco and now I'm going to not eat breakfast and maybe have a really small lunch and you're like reactively skipping a meal then I think that's that's where the problem lies it's all in the intent whereas if you're really super busy and you have had you know I had a really big like this has happened to me before I have gone out for lunch with a friend and we've had quite an indulgent lunch we've had like a starter main course dessert we've had maybe some wine with it and then you get to dinner time and you're actually still quite full from your lunch and so you think maybe I don't actually need dinner or you've had a late lunch or maybe you think instead of dinner I'm just going to have like you know a piece of toast it's all about the intent and what Are the reasons behind you missing a meal or skipping a meal? Is it because you feel you have to? Or is it because you literally don't fancy having a meal? So this has been really interesting for her to send me all these rules. And the challenge that I've set her is that she has to break these rules. I'm not telling her she has to break these rules every single day. But she's going to take each one and she is going to break it and what is going to be so important is that she when she breaks the rule she doesn't then try to atone for it and make up for it and under it as a result of breaking the rule i absolutely love coaching people like this because it keeps me on my toes and it Causes me to be creative and let, and I am learning so much from this person. And of course, provided me with some pretty good content because we're 25 minutes into a podcast, and here we go. So, if you have any food rules that you have in your diet, and that you might not even realize, you might have you might even listen to this and be like, Oh, I don't have any in my diet, and then a couple of weeks later, you're like, wow, I did not realise that was something that I was living to every single day. I think it can be really helpful for you to break the rule and maybe change the name that you assign to it. It's not a rule, it's just a habit. And just like everything else, you can choose to have this habit and you can choose to not have it. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and if you think anyone would find this interesting please share it to your stories and tag me or even just send it to them I would really appreciate it have a wonderful day everyone bye